Welcome back to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver, happily married, and hopefully resilient. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist, your mechanic. I'm Janice Azevedo, and I'm pulling you all over to give you a ticket. Uh-oh. Oh, man. <laughs> And I'm Sarah Van Name, today's hitchhiker. All right, drivers, welcome back. Let's buckle up and hit the road. Today's quote is by Diane Soleil. To get divorced because love has died is like selling your car because it's run out of gas. Or because there's a shortage of cars and you can get a lot of money for it. <laughs> That's going to land so wrong. <laughs> I'm not divorcing you. I'm selling you off. <laughs> I was thinking about because there's currently a shortage of cars, right? Really? And yeah, oh. there's some like supply chain thing. And so somebody at work the other day was talking about selling one of his cars and getting like way more than it's actually worth because there's a shortage. But yeah, in relation to that quote, it's really messed sure. up. Maybe I'll so, cut it. But ben, it was what did we funny. do last week? <laughs> hey, I ask the questions on this show. <laughs> I redirect the attention. I'm going to mute you. Last week, we were joined by the inimitable Janice Azevedo, teacher extraordinaire and one of the most resilient people I know because she's been married to Don for almost 39 years. She has graciously agreed and absolutely not been coerced into joining us again this week. In addition this week, we welcome my own wife, Sarah Van Name, to the podcast to talk about marital resilience. Buckle up, folks. This should be a good show. Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself first? Yeah, my name is Sarah Van Name. I've been married to Ben just over five years, together around 13. I work in tech marketing and I write books for, I say, write books for sad teen girls. More generally, I, I write young adult novels. I am a, a co-parent to our horrible dog, Toast, and love to bake cakes. Great. I love to and eat bakes cakes. And excellent bread as well. Cakes and bread. Yeah. Cakes and and bread. the two books cakes that are out there are wonderful books. And I'm not a sad teenage girl and I enjoyed them. I once was a sad girl. teenage girl. Once? I'm no well, longer not, a teenage, not a teenage girl. anymore. Just a sad girl. <laughs> Gosh, I'm almost 30. Come on. Yes. A sad adult. Oh, man. Well. We're making it far. So the, the format for today's discussion. We're going to pose a question like we usually do, but this time we're going to poll everyone to find out what their view on each of these questions are and have this more as a panel discussion. Well, as the unmarried one here, I'm going to poll you guys first. What are your thoughts about resilience and marriage? Ready, go, fam. Sarah, do you want to start since you're the hitchhiker? Sure. I guess my thoughts about resilience and marriage are, I, I feel like I hear a lot or heard a lot before we got married that marriage is hard. And to be honest, that has not been the case 
for me and Ben so far. And I think in part, we've been really lucky, lucky in finding each other and also in a bigger sense, lucky to not have faced any enormous life crises in the time that that we've been married. You know, we've we've been financially stable. Our, Our families have been healthy. Obviously, the pandemic wasn't amazing, but we had each other through that. So I think, I guess I'm getting a little off track, but my thoughts generally are there's resilience within a marriage. And I think we have that really well because we've been together for such a long time and we have had periods before we were married where things were not great between the two of us. And then there's resilience against outside forces, which we've been lucky enough to not have really tested yet. And hopefully never tested. Hopefully, Um. but unlikely. (laughs) (laughs) I am curious and obviously, Sarah, you don't have to answer any of these questions, but I know y'all did long distance for a good chunk of time while Ben was in college. And that requires a lot of resilience and a lot of communication. And I'm just curious, do you think that doing that has actually helped you guys in the long run as far as being together now and the resilience you have with each other? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, Ben famously did not want to date me when we first started dating because he'd been in a long distance relationship. He didn't want to be again, but I had never had a serious relationship at that point. I was a senior in high school. I was, I joked the other night with a friend that I'm incredibly good at yearning. I I write about yearning. I write about longing and I live maybe too much in my own head sometimes. So long distance was kind of great for me. I mean, it was not great. It would have been better in the moment if we were together, but I think I was suited for it. And I think doing the first few years of our relationship long distance allowed us to learn how to center our relationship while living independently from each other. And that's a skill that served us quite well. I think, you know, we, we enjoy doing things together, but we don't have to do everything together. We have strong relationships with people outside of each other. And I think that's really positive for, for both of us as individuals and our marriage. Excellent. First resilience tip right there to have enjoyment of being with one another and also strong connections with people outside the marriage, hopefully who support the marriage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Any, anyone listening who's been a client of mine knows my analogy of the relationship dick, where you have to have two separate partners to make an even triangle, the two senses of self. And if they merge too much together, it looks very inappropriate. <laughs> It's an ineffective family joke. Family joke. I know. Did you That's open that with the relationship? Dick. Dick? Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. I I thought she said tick. No, no, I was. I'm like, what does that have to do with bugs? I was very clear about no, what I, I heard. I I don't, Kim. I don't need a visual aid. I understand. The problem is that I cannot. No, I don't. I cannot Sorry. allow this to be on my clean, clean, child-friendly show. So, Mama, what are your anyway. thoughts about resilience in marriage? Oh, okay. Wait, I was well, going to tie a thing. Okay. So, Ben and Sarah did long distance. Mama and Papa, y'all also did long distance while Papa was away at war. How do you think that has helped build resilience or cultivated resilience within your relationship? I agree with what Sarah said about being there for each other. And that is something Papa and I've always done is to be there for each other. And like you mentioned, Kim, he was deployed for 
nine months. And I was left as the army captain's wife who was supposed to know everything and knew nothing. Um, so when you're put into these like really adverse situations, you're just kind of, it, it's like you've leapt off a cliff and you have no other choice but to figure it out and fly. And those are the things that make you strong and resilient. And when you go out and do those things as individuals and as and together as couples, that's what makes your marriage strong is when you're learning and growing and moving forward despite adversity. Well, that was a great example to come back to at the beginning of this arc, our definition of resilience, adapting well to adversity or change. Exactly what Mama's talking about. Sure. And, and Mama did that really well for not knowing that she was going to be in charge of all the spouses that were left behind. But what it left her with is when I arrived home, one of the first things she told me is you can be married or you can be in the army, but you can't be both. <laughs> he chose wisely. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and she set her boundaries really well. <laughs> We've kind of heard from Sarah and Mama and Papa. Ben, what are your thoughts what? here? What? We haven't heard from Papa, but okay. My thoughts. We did a little bit. I mean, we can. I'm just messing with you. On resilience and marriage. What can I add to this? I feel like we've really hit some high points already. Can you think of anything that you felt was particularly resilient or helpful in building resiliency with Sarah in the beginning parts of your relationship when you guys were doing long distance? What Sarah said is, is accurate. And I think long distance or any, I guess it's really just distance, but a situation where you cannot see the person regularly forces you to focus on the communication because that's all you have. You don't have physical interaction. You don't have events. You have shared interests, but you can't really do them together. There's limits to that. So what we did a lot was talk on the phone and via lots of other things, but we spoke most nights for an hour or so on the phone. And I think that forced us to learn how to communicate, learn how the other spoke when they were happy or excited or sad or fearful and how to respond to those things. And those are skills that have continued to serve us well. And it sounds almost like I'm recommending everybody should start their relationships <laughs> long distance and, and build some foundational skills. And then you, then you deserve to be together. That's not really true. But I do think that in a relationship where it's a more typical going to a lot of things together and hanging out with friends together, maybe that it might be harder to develop some of those communication skills, especially if you don't already have them. And yeah. being able to communicate with your partner is super important to resilience and the longevity of your relationship, which we've talked about many, many times on this show. That seems to be an ongoing theme in our show. It's one of our core um, principles, I think, communication. <laughs> Just a little bit. But when you distill a relationship down to only communication, it really becomes apparent whether you have good or bad communication skills. That's very true. Papa, do you have anything else to add? When Mama and I got married in the Lutheran church, part of the requirement was to meet with the pastor a couple of times. And one of the things the pastor asked us is, what can I pray for you? And Mama and I said in unison, having not rehearsed this, laughter. Laughter. That's a key part of resilience, not taking yourself so seriously. Being able to step back and, and see that a lot of life is really humorous. And if you don't take yourself seriously, you can find solutions a lot faster. I do love making Sarah laugh. <laughs> and it seems that I'm able to do it frequently, although I don't know why she thinks I'm so funny. Have you seen your face recently? <laughs> 
I also like making Sarah laugh. So I know married couples tend to attract other married couples. How has resiliency popped up with your friends and within their marriages? Have you shared any insights from you personally or have your friends asked for help? You know, what's it like being friends with other married couples? Mm. What's it like being friends with other married couples? I don't you see a lot of different types of relationships and there's no one right way. Well, I can't speak for Sarah. I have friends who are married that I sometimes see their relationship from the outside and think, how does that work? But it does. I mean, they're, we've had some deep conversations and it, it's just, a, there's differences. They don't all have to be the same. There's more than one way to, to do this. And, and different, and what I was just saying about communication, different people need different things when they're experiencing a stress or a change and what's right for Sarah and I, or what Sarah needs when she's experiencing stress is very different than what one of my other married friends might need from their partner. It's interesting to see differences. Has there been a, a skill or an approach that you've noticed in a friend that you said, Oh, I want to adopt that because it looks like it would be helpful. No, because I think I'm better than everybody else. Uh, well, okay then. Sorry. Didn't mean to. You know, I, I don't know, Sarah, do you think we can talk about relation coaching or is that a step too far? We no, can I think it. you can talk about that. All right. So we have some friends who seem to really enjoy airing relatively small fights or conflicts that they're having when in group settings. And they even go so far as to have a name for this. They call it relation croaching. <laughs> Their relationship is encroaching upon the rest of us. And it'll be something like, I don't know, the cat needs to go to the vet or something that one or the other of them did or didn't do. And they'll just kind of pettily argue about it in front of other people and sort of try to lobby for who's right and who's wrong to the audience. And to me, this feels extremely uncomfortable because I think like, this is, oh my gosh, they're like fighting about this thing. And they're like passively trying to get me to like pick a side. Like, I don't want to be, but having talked with them at length about it, they're fine. It's just how they communicate about this thing. Like they're working something out and they don't actually really need my input or not. It's just their way of processing whatever thing that they're talking through. And it's very different than how I would do it, but it seems to work really well for them. So I sort of do consider that a form of resilience. Mm -hmm. Like they have developed this weird, unique system that works for them. Don, Janice, Sarah, other thoughts, other friends. Well, actually, this is a good one for you, Kim. You, you have seen lots of marriages, friend-wise and professionally. I was taking the Ben role where I didn't have to answer yeah, questions. Yeah, well, I just turned it on you. I've just had to have a lot of personal resilience after being in the dating pool this long, but... I mean, obviously I see it in y'all's relationships in the ways that you guys have described them. I don't know that I have a good answer for this because I can't think of any of my couple friends. Just as a prompt, if you want to, last week you had a <coughs> ghosting event that resolved really well. Oh yeah. That's my, I mean, it's a long distance relationship, but it's a long distance friendship. So yeah, I mean... Going to that long distance thing where what you have is communication in the lovely tech day, you've got ghosting. So someone goes silent and this happened for me recently over my birthday weekend, which I think kind of doubly hurt where my friend ghosted me for like three days. And I was able to message him partly because we've built enough resilience in that relationship and be like, hey, 
I'm uncomfortable. And he was able to respond very plainly like, hey, no, this is what was going on in my life. Don't worry about it. And, you know, that's now happened a couple of times. And being able to have someone respond well to my anxiety while also holding space for me to actually vocalize my anxiety has been interesting. And I think it it has shaped the way that we talk to each other in a different way than what would have happened if they had been a local friend and I'd been able to speak with them face to face. He shared with me that he did one other thing that was critical. He validated your anxiety oh, and yeah. he took responsibility saying, you know, I really was going to talk to you at that point And this came up. That's important. That was just good communication skill, which stressed me out. And I, of course, was like, I can't talk to you now. Well, it's also <laughs> resiliency. The willingness to take personal <laughs> responsibility is an element of resiliency. Right. I should also text him and ask if it's okay that we talk about him on the show. Because he does listen to our show. Yeah, but nobody knows it. And you had courage, too, another form of resiliency, in that you checked out what was happening in the friendship instead of making assumptions and then acting as if you knew what the answer was. Right. Which was incredibly challenging. And I drafted out like five different paragraphs before I actually sent him the thing that I did send him. So, I mean, it's interesting. That's an interesting form of resiliency as far as that initial lob of trust and then being able to bounce back and forth and be flexible with each other, especially recognizing it's a super long distance friendship. There's a couple of hours of time difference and even that gets kind of trickled into that weird communication and trying to build resilience around how do you maintain a friendship that way? Mama, did you have anything in resilience with friendships and other married couples? Well, I just wanted to add that resilience and friendships with other married couples requires energy and you have to have the energy from within yourself. Um, It's kind of like an emotional bank account. You have to feed yourself and keep yourself full so that you can have those relationships with others, whether it's couple friendships or individual friendships. Last week it was oxygen masks and now you're telling me I have to eat too? This is a lot. You have to eat well. You have to sleep well. Yes, it is a lot. It's very hard to do good self-care for yourself because we are so used to not putting ourselves first. We always take care of everyone else. We take care of our relationships first before taking care of ourselves. So what you're saying is the opposite, that we need to take care of ourselves before we take care of our relationships. Absolutely. Put the oxygen mask on yourself first so that you can have the relationships with others. All right. So oxygen masks and food. Got it. What are some other practices that strengthen resilience with a romantic partner or friend? I'll jump in on that because I'm always having to work hard at this. And it, it is to be present. So when your partner has something to share, to it's important to stop and clear your head and and listen and be present and not to interrupt. I I, um, am working on those skills still. And I have lots of opportunities to practice. (laughs) Wow. Oh, let's just leave it there. What's going on here? Mama's done really well this podcast of not cutting anybody off. She's doing great. No interruptions. She's minding her P's and Q's. One of the best resiliency bits in marriage in particular that I found is that when you notice there's a difference in point of view between you and your partner, that you're about to get into an argument because you're seeing the world very differently, to take a deep breath, stop and set aside your point of view 
and really try to understand the world from the other person's point of view. Really try to understand it, not you know take it apart and show the other person how wrong they are, but to listen to what the needs are or how they're experiencing whatever the issue is and really know it before you respond with whatever your point of view is. That's a very helpful thing. Ben, Sarah, any practices that you know of or have learned over the years that strengthen resilience in relationships? Learning the difference in either a partner or a friend when someone is struggling or having a hard time or just having a bad day, when it's something that's a little surface level and you can crack some jokes or just kind of try to cheer them up and that's helpful versus when it's deeper and more difficult than that and you need to just be there and listen or offer advice if they ask. Obviously, I'm sure y'all have talked about before, not offering advice unless the person actually wants it. And, and then I guess the other thing I was going to say is there's the term fair weather friend, but sometimes in the past I've felt like the the opposite. You know, I I can only have a meaningful relationship with this person when they're having a difficult time. You know, I, I can be there with them there, but we have we don't have enough in common that we can be joyful together and have like a lighthearted day together. And I think my most meaningful relationships have space for both of those things. And, you know, it's it's easy to be in both of those spaces at different times in different ways. I thought you were getting towards something else. Oh, the space to... Kim, you were talking about this at your birthday party, actually. Knowing when somebody just wants to vent versus oh, when yeah. they want advice. This is something that I have been practicing. It turns out that Sarah does not need or want my advice nearly as much as I think she does. <laughs> She's pretty much That's got because it Sarah's a smart out. lady. Yeah. This does not surprise me. Well, that makes one of us. So, yeah, that's that's definitely a big one. I thought you were going to talk about hug meetings. I think hug uh, meetings you can talk about strength this. and resilience. Sarah and I have a practice since we're working from home a lot of, you know, we're both in meetings all the time, but in between the meetings, we have meetings for hugs where we can get up and you know, it helps to stretch the legs, get out of the office a little bit, out of the uh, home office and just have a little hug and then it's back to work. And this is a thing that is sort of a household joke, but at the same time, it's it's weird little things like that can build a lot of resilience. Just a, a small activity that you're doing with your partner that maybe is a little lighthearted and funny, like like Don was saying, not taking yourself too seriously, but it's a it's a little habit. It's the same thing as taking a few minutes for some mindfulness or some yoga, you know, these kinds of self-care things. Each individual hug meeting is nothing significant. It's usually Sarah coming into my room and demanding a hug. And I'm like, oh, I'm in the middle of something. But you take the minute to have a hug, take a couple deep breaths. And it's really nice. Hug meetings. You're supposed to have like a bajillion hugs a day in order to have a healthy life, according to weird science. Yeah, that's um, us. And, and laughter too. Right. No laughter, I just don't hugs. got any hugs, but I have a lot of laughter. Spooky and I, I guess, have hug meetings. Yeah, you've got, post you've got snug meetings, yeah. Hugs and snugs. They're just very spiky snugs. <laughs> he's a cat. He's, he's a very prickly little <laughs> fellow. Hmm. So lots of resilience, lots of relationships. Can I cool add uh, another piece? Yeah. 
So in the previous episode, we talked about the 12 habits and dispositions of emotionally resilient educators based on Elena Aguilar's book, Onward. And I'm rereading the list of habits and dispositions and looking at those thinking, wow, everything that we've just talked about is on that list and that those habits and those dispositions not only apply to educators and being resilient, but it applies to all relationships in being resilient. Mama and Papa, we're going to start with y'all. What would you have liked to known about resilience when you first got married that you have learned now? There are some things that I've learned over the years that I wish I had known right at the beginning. One has actually been what, what you were saying is when Mama, when Janice comes to me and tells me a story about something that she's struggling with, she doesn't want me to fix it. She just wants me to hear it and be present with her. Wish I had known that one earlier. That That's an important one. The other one was to accept people as they are instead of how you want them to be because they're different from you and they respond differently. And it doesn't mean that that's wrong, but accept them as they are instead of being mad because they're not what you want them to be. I, I would add to that. I wish that I knew how to slow down my mind and to stop and take a deep breath and be able to just kind of pause before I react. I think that would have been helpful in a lot of my relationships. <laughs> that would have made our relationship a lot different growing up. <laughs> yes. I said that for you. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. So that's some good stuff that you wish you had known earlier in your marriage. Ben and Sarah, any things you wish you knew about resilience or anything you've been learning along the way that you want to share? I honestly don't think there's anything I would have liked to have known because, I mean, this is a little bit of a meta answer, but we got together so young. I was 17 when we started dating. I had never had a serious relationship. Ben had had other relationships before that, but I was learning how to be in a relationship at the same time I was learning how to be a person on my own, to be a person in the world. You know, if you meet the, the person who ends up being your life partner at 30, you've learned a lot of skills about just how to, how to be a friend, how to be a coworker, how to be a romantic partner in other instances that you don't have at 17. So I don't think that there's any advice that I could have read or heard or any experiences that I could have heard that would have helped me more than just going through those things myself. Like, I, I don't think there are any any cheat codes. <laughs> Isn't it like up, down, up, down, A, B, A, B, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Lots, lots of deep breathing opportunities. I guess like the thing that, I mean, this is not related to marriage, but it is a thing that helped me a lot with resilience more generally. When, when I was 16 and 17, a couple of close friends of mine passed away unexpectedly. And there was this song I listened to called Get Better the chorus of which everything's going to get lighter, even if it never gets better. And it's just a rephrasing of a, you know, time heals all wounds. But that idea, something difficult has happened, something bad has happened. It's not going to change, but the weight of it is going to get lighter. 
that's a bad message for a marriage because if your marriage is bad, it's not automatically going to get lighter. It's you have to work at it. But just thinking about resilience, thinking about messages that have mattered to me, that is something that I have returned to a lot over the last 15 years. Can I tag in on the, you have to work on it part of that? It's not the same thing as resilience, but being aware that you have to work at relationships. Another thing we've talked about, I mean, this whole podcast is about working on relationships but ages ago, um, <laughs> I'm laughing because I know where this is headed. Ages ago, a good friend of ours who is close to both of us is close to both of us, knows us both very well and knows our relationship has seen our relationship evolve over many years. Completely earnestly said to me that he thought that the right relationship, you know, if you, f- if you found the one, if you found, you know, the thing that we're all looking for, the one, the, the perfect person for you that everything would just fall into place. But that watching Sarah and I, he realized that it's a lot of work. (laughs) It's work every day. And that's not a new idea to this show or really to, I hope, lots of people out there. But it's always worth remembering that you can find the right person. I I believe there's many right people for for each of us. But that that don't mean it's all going to fall into place you don't just magically get resilience with that person. You don't just snap your fingers and you're happily ever after. It's day in, day out work. It's endless hug meetings. It's great communication and continuing to work on that communication. It's having patience. It's knowing when the person wants help with a problem and when they just want to complain about something. And it's saying, I love you every day. And all of those things are work. It's all work. But it's worth it. First of all, thank you, Sarah and Janice, for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> it was fun. It's it's cool to get this many people on the show. I think we've only ever had this many one other time. This was a dense episode, and we hope that you got some good takeaways for your own relationships. I think there's a lot to take away, and maybe these are things you're already doing, maybe not, but something for everyone in this in this one and you may also start to notice there are some common threads between personal resilience and self-care and work resilience and self-care and (laughs) relationships significant other relationships and self-care all of these things are tied together it's it doesn't just come in one place next week we are wrapping up this arc and we are also wrapping up our season for the year so definitely tune in which type of resilience are we talking about next time? Parenting. Does anybody know? Parenting. Oh. We're going to talk about resilience in parenting. So those of you who have kids, it should be a good one to check out. Or those of you I'll who also, are ever a kid. I was just going to say I'll also be joining to talk about hog parenting. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> the parenting of a demonic hog. That's my grandbaby you're talking about. You mean your demonic, your grand demonic hog baby. The groundhog, yes. <laughs> the groundhog. She wants to go for a stroll. Yeah, she doesn't go for walks anymore. She goes for one a day. We we take the hog she, out on the she town goes once for a day. Strolls, <laughs> strolls, not walks. All right. Thank you as always for listening, and until next time, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to the relationship road trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app.
You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. 